We all know that we need to motivate our team to perform, sometimes more than others. But what does that really look like? Aside from the rah-rah speech that impacts only a fraction of the team, and which produces results that are short-lived, besides using bonuses and other monetary means, which are expensive and only resonate with employees that are driven by money, how exactly can we motivate people to perform consistently over the long haul? Well, stay tuned and I'll share the approach that's worked for me. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So today I'd like to tell you a story about a business owner, Jack, and an employee we'll call Diane. Jack calls me up a few weeks back and says, I got a problem. I have a solid employee named Diane. She has a very promising future. By and large, she has really good work, but there's just something missing. I can't put my finger on it, but sometimes she doesn't seem to pay attention. She goes through these periods of time where she just seems forgetful, lazy, or even sloppy. She can give the impression that her heart isn't really in it anymore, and I'm not even sure she wants to be here. Jack goes on to say, to get her back on track, or to try to get her back on track, I'll do things like remind her how important it is that the processes are that we follow them. Like these, These processes are there for a reason. It's really important that they're followed. I'll even ask her to walk me through those processes to make sure she understands what to do, which she pretty much always does. I explain the negative consequences to the company, to the customers, and even her coworkers. I think she cares, but sometimes I'm just not sure. So I respond to Jack and I say, okay, to confirm, what I'm hearing you say is it sounds like she's capable and competent. It sounds like she knows which processes to follow. When she's on, she's a real asset. She has a bright future with the company. If you or her can get this figured out, I didn't hear you say that she doesn't seem to care about the consequences, so it doesn't sound like she's selfish. And Jack confirmed, yeah, it's the strangest thing. When it's awesome, it's really awesome. Yet when it's not, I question everything. It's so frustrating. She seems to get stuff. She just doesn't seem to pay attention or care sometimes. It's very erratic. There doesn't seem to be a particular thing that sets it off. And I think every one of us can relate to this. This kind of frustration is, again, when you have a team of more than a handful, this kind of stuff is going to start popping up because the the sheer number of people we have, um, these things just happen. The more people you have, the more often you're going to deal with this. So I think every one of us can relate to this kind of frustration. I personally cannot even count how many times I've said the exact same thing as Jack here. It's bewildering. It's frustrating. It, It reinforces our beliefs that we're the only ones we can never really count on. Like, having a person that we know can do a great job and we know is is like on their game when they're on their game and then they just all of a sudden let us down. Like, well, if this person can't get it, then what reasonable hope do I have that anybody's ever going to figure this out? And that, of course, leads us to taking more control, delegating decision-making less, and next thing you know, 
were walking around saying things like, why am I the only one around here who gets it? Why am I the only one who takes things seriously? Or can't anyone ever make a decision around here besides me? Why can't anybody ever take initiative around here? <laughs> so these are the kind of things that we walk around saying or thinking. And soon enough, we're working 80 hours a week again because we don't trust our team to make decisions. So I don't know. Does that sound familiar to you? I certainly can uh, remember those days for sure. So what is the solution? How do we fix it? Well, I asked Jack only two questions. First, I asked him, what does Diane want to accomplish in her career or accomplish in her life that requires achievement or improvement at work or uh, upward mobility in a company, for example? In other words, what are her professional goals or personal goals that have any relevance at work? Now, Jack didn't have a solid answer for this. He spoke about her elementary school children. So she's got kids. So, you know, as parents, we're all kind of motivated by providing for our kids. She has, he talked about her current house, which is in a nice enough neighborhood. Nothing flashy, but it's not, it's not in a bad neighborhood. She seems to be happily married, he said. It's okay. So what kind of role does she want to have in five or 10 years? Or what does she talk about wanting to have when she gets older? Does she want to buy 10 acres in Montana someday, for example? Does she want to be a manager? Or is the idea of leading a team like Repulsor? There's there's tons of people who are like the idea of them being in charge is like it's worse than public speaking, maybe. It's like, like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Is having a large retirement account important to her? And Jack wasn't really sure. Jack wasn't didn't really have a, a, his finger on anything about really what what she was hoping to accomplish professionally or or personally. She seemed to do reasonably well. So it was, it it seemed likely that she would be promotable and she would continue that arc. But as far as what she wanted, what she was aiming for, we didn't really know. So the next question I asked was, okay, so what motivates Diane? And he started talking about how, well, of course she likes money. I mean, who doesn't like money, right? So everybody's wanting to, to get more of that. Uh, She one time left the company and came back because the job she left to go take was too boring. So he was pretty confident that she liked challenging work, which is good because she had a job that kept her challenged. So that seemed to be a good fit. Jack said he didn't know much about how things were going at home for Diane, so he couldn't really draw on much there, which again, I'm not really asking, you know, like get into people's marital affairs. That's not, that's not what I'm asking here. So I stopped Jack to clarify what I'm getting at and reminding him, that, you know, going back to some of the things you've heard me talk about before, there's basically four personality types. Every personality assessment works basically along the lines of, do you prefer working with people or tasks? And are you an introvert or an extrovert? Now, there's some variations that are a little more sophisticated than that. And I get that. Um, But these, these are the basic kind of, we either like spreadsheets or we like relationships. It doesn't mean we can't like both. And we're either an introvert or an extrovert. Doesn't mean we're not sometimes both. It's not as neat and clean as this. I get it. But but generally speaking, we're all going to kind of fall into one of these four quadrants created when we have these two axes, people and tasks, introvert, extrovert. And each quadrant more or less has their motivating forces. Introverts with a task preference like to be right. That's me. I'm an introvert, with slightly introverted. Again, I'm an introvert who does a podcast and does public speaking. So th- these things are not like hard lines that you can't ever cross. Uh, but anyhow, introverts with task preference like to be right. Introverts with a people preference want to be liked. Extroverts with a people preference like to be recognized. They're the life of the party. Don't ask them to have any details, though. Don't ask them to be in charge of details. Uh, 
and extroverts with a task preference like to win. Think about uh, Vince Lombardi here. Very much an extrovert, very much, ta- very much a task preference kind of person. So again, these lines are always, are they are, are they are not always clean and neat. Of course they're not. We're all humans. We all have our own intricacies and things that make us unique. And, you know, can people have more than one motivator? Of course they can. And almost all of us are driven to feel safe and secure on some level. So I want to be really careful here. These are general statements. Your people are going to have their own specific things. And this is part of the thing is figuring out for your people, what is it for them? So anyhow, back to Diane. So I'm asking Jack, what motivates Diane? Generally speaking, is she a person who likes tasks or people introvert extrovert? He said, well, based on her work, he thought she was probably, she probably liked working with numbers and data more than people because of the role that she had chosen, the profession she had chosen to pursue. Then again, she's really kind to everybody. Everybody really likes her. So I, he's like, I, I don't know. She like, she, her, her job is an accounting kind of a job. Um, but she's got tons of people at work who like her. So I don't know. Maybe she likes people. So here's what I told Jack. When we're talking about our employees needing to follow our procedures, be diligent to make sure the customer is taken care of, take initiative so we don't have to check in on every single little thing, be consistent in all their efforts. We're speaking about our needs not theirs. Following procedures benefits us. It benefits the team. Being diligent to make sure the customer is taken care of benefits us. It benefits the customer. The problem is people don't make decisions based upon what we want. They make decisions based upon what they want, getting them to goals they want to achieve, both personally and professionally. They make decisions based upon their internal drivers, which were formed when they were a toddler or young child. So it's really not much of a shock that when we talk about things that they should do to make our lives easier, to provide better service for our customers, to create a more harmonious environment for the coworkers, and to make the the company more efficient and profitable, there's a limit to how effective that's going to be. People, by and large, they they will understand when you're talking to them, sitting down face-to-face in a group or one-on-one, they will nod their head and they will absolutely understand because these things all make perfect sense. They do. It's not that they don't get it. They do get it. But in the moment where they have to make these decisions, when you're not there, they're making decisions based upon what they want. Now, sometimes they want to follow procedures because they want to be recognized for following procedures. Or following procedures makes everybody in the office get along and they want to be liked. So sometimes these things happen naturally and we don't have to drill into them. I'm talking specifically today about this person, Diane, who has kind of this ebb and flow of performance. Sometimes she's on her game and sometimes she's not. So if we really want to motivate people and get them to all work towards the things we want, again, both individually, Diane, and collectively, her entire group, her entire team, her entire department, whatever that looks like for your, for your business, we must speak to what drives them. And I suspect this is what Zig Ziglar was referring to when he said, if you help enough people get what they want, you will get what you want. And there's countless other famous quotes referring to this idea that those who give to, give, uh, to others the most end up getting what they want more often than those who focus only on their own needs. You know, the, the saying that's probably, I don't know, thousands of years old now, you get what you give. Another great example. In order to do that, in order to get people what they want so that we can get what we want, we have to know what their goals are and have an understanding of what they're trying to accomplish. And we have to know, generally speaking, what motivates them. Again, in my examples earlier, sometimes it's being right, it's being liked, being recognized, winning, 
being secure, safe, a hybrid of these could be something else completely entirely different. If you've read my book, I, I give you some examples in there where it's completely different, all these things. And that's okay. If it, whatever it is, it doesn't matter as long as we know what it is. So the question, of course, would be, well, why don't we do this? Well, here's some reasons why we don't want to ask what their goals are. It would be really disheartening to find out that somebody we have really high hopes for or ultimately can run the company someday or could have a very influential, you know, high-level management position, which would make our lives a lot easier. It would be really disheartening to find out that person wants to move out of state in the next 10 years. It would be really frustrating to learn that our star player, our best revenue-producing person who we could see, like, driving the whole sales effort 10 years from now, wants to start her own company someday. I get that it's, it would be frustrating and, and kind of disheartening to, to learn this stuff. So we don't want to ask. We don't want to find out that this person we have high hopes for really wants to do something that's not in alignment with our company's needs. We don't want to find out that what they really want doesn't, doesn't work. You know, maybe, maybe if we ask some questions, we'll find out their core values just don't match with ours. And that's going to really suck. But how much more frustrating would it be to, to learn that after investing seven years or five years into an employee and then having to start completely over? Wouldn't it be better to learn sooner than later? Of course. And, ha- and, and, and imagine we find this out. We have this very talented person who says, you know, what? I'm going to be moving out of state in a few years. My wife and I have plans to be closer to family, whatever it is, getting out of the city, like wh- whatever, right? Wouldn't it be nice to have this very talented person who likes the company, presumably they're working there. They like you, they like the company. They just ultimately are going to be doing something, something different in their life. But wouldn't that person be a great asset to help you train a different person to take on that leadership role someday, for example? So again, I, I get that this is not the kind of news we want to pursue, but it's not the kind of news that we should choose to learn after the fact, after we've made these big investments in time and money and all this stuff. I could go on and on with examples, but I won't. We got we have a limited amount of time here. But you you probably are able to uh, pick out people in your own history where they've let you down just because they had other things they want to do in life. Like I had one of my one of my favorite employees wanted to move to Maui, and he did. And God bless him for doing it. Like go do what you want to do, man. It's your life. Go live your life to the fullest. And it really sucked. <laughs> I really was counting on that guy to help us out. So the benefits of knowing what they're aiming for in their careers and even in life to a certain degree. Again, I'm not asking like, we're not, I'm not going to get into people's marriages and I'm, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm looking at here. But in life, do they want to have things that are going to require them to do things more than what they're doing now? You can't, you, you know, if you have that dream of owning 10 acres in Montana, whether it's a summer cabin or you're going to build a house or whatever, you can't do that on entry level salary. Like you will have to, you know, progress in your career to do, to afford some of these things. So the benefit of knowing what they're aiming for in their careers and even life to a certain degree is that when you're trying to motivate them, you'll be able to speak about what you need done in terms of them reaching their own goals, which again, I'm sorry, is way more compelling than making my life easier. Once we know what they want to accomplish, we can help them connect the dots in how performing at a high level or following processes consistently or learning to better interpersonal skills will lead them to what they want. We can help them connect the dots on, hey, if you do this, it's more likely to get you this thing that you want, not focusing on what I want. When we know what they want to accomplish and what drives them in general, we can speak to those things which matter to them, which will actually resonate and result in a commitment to reach the mutually beneficial goals because it will help them. And they see if I do this thing, I'm, I'm moving in the direction of the thing I want. 
versus I'm doing this thing because it's going to make the boss's life easier, which again, some people are going to respond to that. Many are not. We're speaking to what we want. It just matters less. I, I, don't, I don't know how else to say that. It's frustrating. I know, but this is the way it is. We speak to what they want. It matters more. So let's say we had a person struggling with interpersonal skills. Is having a hard time getting along with their coworkers sometimes. You know, this person is maybe a, uh, in my, in my history, I am thinking of a person right now, exceptional technical skills. One of the best technically in his craft or trade really struggles sometimes getting along with people. And, you know, I could tell them that they would need to improve, which would probably have a, in my experience has a, a little bit of a, of a, uh, a short-term impact. Long-term, it didn't. We had that conversation probably eight times, 10 times. Hey, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep treating your coworkers like this. You can't keep doing this behavior, whatever it is. Or I could lean into what they want to accomplish, which in, in my case, I did. And I'll give you an example. And let's just say this person's name is Charlie. Charlie wants to be a manager someday. And I asked Charlie, hey, in order to be an effective manager, what are some of the things you can think of you'll need to improve? Now, if Charlie's serious about wanting to be a manager, Charlie will also likely be serious about wanting to improve. Or if he's not, I will learn straight away that Charlie's not interested in improving, which lets me know not to spend a ton of time trying to make Charlie do something he's not going to do, which makes my life a whole lot easier. And I will tell Charlie that. Charlie, if you want to step into this role, you have to make some improvements. And if you're not willing to do that, this role is not going to be a fit for you. And I'll be here ready and waiting when you're ready to make that commitment. But until then, just understand you're not going to make any progress towards that. I've had that conversation with a number of employees who just felt that they were going to ascend to these roles and not have to adapt and change their behaviors and make improvements. And that, in my world, that just doesn't work. But let's say Charlie is serious about improving. And if he was honest, he would probably say, well, one of the things I need to work on is getting along better with my coworkers. And boom. Now Charlie has a very personal and compelling reason to do what I also happen to need him to do. But because it's going to help Charlie reach his goal, he wants to be a manager someday. The reason why we could make up, you know, we could, you have people like this, their, their reasons why are more important than this fictitious example. But let's say Charlie wants to have that summer cabin and he wants to provide a, a good living for his family. Maybe he has young children. He wants to send to college. I, who knows, right? Whatever his reasons are, are matter more than this example. But he has the compelling reason, and that's what matters here. And because it will help Charlie reach his goal, he's much more likely to change his behavior, especially in those moments where I'm not there. So let's say Charlie likes to be right, which if you're talking about a tradesperson or craftsperson who is ruffling feathers with the coworkers, oftentimes it's because they're very technically sound and they like to be right. Knowing that, how easy would it be for me to illustrate to Charlie in language that resonates with him that the way to get to be right and to to move towards reaching his own goals is to get along with his coworkers. The path to becoming a great manager is to be able to get along with people. That's 50% of the job at least. And in order to do that, to, in order to be right, you've got to be a person who's helping create an environment where people get along because coworkers who get along perform at a much higher level than those that don't. And a person who's putting effort into creating an environment where people get along is absolutely doing the right thing. They're going to be right. So once I can help Charlie see that doing the thing that I need, him getting along with his coworkers, leads to what he wants, becoming a manager and being right, holy smokes, does my life get easier. Now, the trick is, well, there's not a trick here. One of the things to keep in mind here, though, is you don't have to, if you have 50 people on your team, you don't have to do this for all 50 people. 
you have to do this with the managers and teach them to do it with their team. And I would estimate, I don't know, the ma- there's no math on this that I know of, but in my experience, a person could reasonably accomplish this with a team of eight to 10 people pretty easily. You couldn't accomplish this probably with 25 people. So the, the, the business owner doesn't have to have that and, and shouldn't have this relationship with all 50 employees if you have 50 employees. The business owner should have this relationship with the five managers and each of the five managers should have this relationship with their team. The next thing to keep in mind is this is not going to happen all in one formal conversation. I'm not going to bring Charlie in and sit him down and we're going to quote unquote get to the bottom of this. I'm going to figure Charlie out in a five minute or 30 minute or two hour conversation all at one time. It doesn't work like that. This may take several weeks or even months to figure out, but it's not a huge time commitment. Over those months, I'll probably only invest an hour and a half or so into figuring these two things out for Charlie sprinkled amongst many different conversations. And I would argue in the long run, that is considerably less time than the hours you're currently spending repeating yourself, having coaching conversations, committing your time to overseeing the outcomes or double checking things that to make sure the procedures are followed or the frustration you have. Like, why isn't Charlie getting it today? Why is Diane awesome sometimes and not so awesome other times? Why can't I count on her? Like, why, how am I supposed to know when I can? That is way more time invested than figuring out in an hour and a half or so over several weeks or a few months, what makes this person go? What are they trying to accomplish? What motivates them? So if you're having consistency issues from a person, you expect high performance levels, you know, high, you expect this person to perform well, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, and you can't quite seem to how to motivate someone, this is where I start. What are they trying to accomplish and what in general motivates them? So before we continue, I'm sure each one of you belongs to an industry association. Maybe it's the North Carolina Roofing Association, or maybe it's the Arizona Association of Bookkeepers or whatever. If you are, you probably know that finding qualified speakers who have real life experiences talking about the things we talk about here and can speak to things that really help you in business can be hard. So maybe you didn't know that I do speaking at these kinds of things, whether it's monthly meetings uh, for, you know, Uh, the industry association monthly meetings, or whether it's a keynote speaker for an annual conference, or you want someone to prepare and run an all day workshop. That's the kind of stuff I do. I do it on a regular basis and I'm here ready to help. All you gotta do to, to uh, uh, let me know you're interested in me doing that for you is go to my website, serviceindustrysuccess.com. There's a button right at the top that says book Brian to speak a small, like three or four questions you fill out on a form. You give me your contact information. I'll reach out to you and we'll get the ball rolling. So again, that's go to serviceindustrysuccess.com. Click on the button that says book Brian to speak, fill out the little form, and next thing you know, we're, we're off and running. Uh, I do this on a fairly regular basis. I, I talk to uh, groups from accounting associations to auto repair associations to contractor associations, you name it. And uh, uh, the things we talk about are applicable to all those kinds of things. So anyhow, back to our topic. The first two things we have to be able to answer if we truly hope to motivate somebody long-term What are they trying to accomplish professionally or personally that would require some improvement or advancement at work? If you want to buy those 10 acres in Montana, you can't do it if you're on an entry-level salary. You have to have some upward mobility in your job or upward achievement in your job to to attain those things unless you're counting on, you know, a rich grandma dying or something like that. And in general, what motivates this person? So we talk about our employees needing to follow our procedures and be diligent and take initiative and be consistent. We're speaking to our needs not theirs. The problem is people don't make decisions based upon what we want. They make decisions based upon what they want. So it's really not much of a shock to find out when we talk about these things that make our lives easier, there's a limit on how effective that's going to be. If we really want to motivate people and get them to 
all work towards the same things we want, both individually and collectively, we must speak to what drives them. In order to do that, we have to know what drives them. What are their goals? We have to have an understanding of what they're trying to accomplish in life, in their career. And we have to know, generally speaking, what motivates them. Again, examples are being right, being liked, recognition, winning, being comfortable, being safe, uh, being, a, you know, they're, they're, it doesn't matter. It could be a hybrid of these things. It could be something else entirely, if that's the case. We just need to know what it is. Which one it is doesn't matter. We just need to know which one it is. And the reasons we don't want to ask that, and I get that, but how much more frustrating would it be to learn that they've always wanted to have that house on 10 acres in Montana after we invested seven years into an employee and then having to start completely over? That is so frustrating. Please don't do that to yourself. This is not the kind of news we should choose to learn after we've made those kinds of investment. The benefit of knowing what they're aiming for in their careers, even in life to a certain degree, is that when you're trying to motivate them, you'll be able to speak about what you need done in terms of them reaching their own goals, which I'm sorry is more compelling to them than making your life easier. And once we know what they want to accomplish, we can help them connect the dots and how performing this thing we need done or following these procedures or getting along with, uh, better with other people will lead them to what they want. When we know what they want to accomplish and what drives them in general, we can speak to those things which matter to them, which will actually resonate and result in a commitment and a change in their behavior rather than speaking what we want, which matters way less. So some things to keep in mind. We don't have to do this for all 50 of your employees. You do this for the managers. The managers do this for their team. This isn't going to happen all at once. This is not one formal conversation. We sit down and we get to the bottom of this with Charlie. It's going to take weeks or even months, but it's not a huge commitment over time on those weeks or months. It's maybe an hour and a half. It's a few minutes here. It's a few minutes there. It's asking a question. What are they doing on the weekend? Why are they doing that? What do they talk about Monday mornings? You know, what do they look forward to? What do they talk about looking forward to in life? Why do they want that? Right? All these things we've talked about before. We're going to sprinkle them amongst many conversations. We're going to form this educated understanding of what they want and what drives them over a period of time. And I would argue in the long run, that's considerably less time than the hours you're currently spending, uh, spending repeating yourself, having these coaching conversations, losing sleep, babysitting processes, double checking everybody's work. Like that, that just, it's such a time suck. This is way more efficient and way more effective. So if you're having, uh, if you find yourself having uh, inconsistency from a person, especially these ones you have really high expectations of, and sometimes they're just letting you down, or you're not really sure how to motivate someone, this is always where I start. So don't forget, if you're looking for a speaker for your monthly meeting and annual conference or an all-day workshop, just go to serviceindustrysuccess.com, click on the button that says book Brian to speak. And please, if you haven't, uh, share this podcast with a friend or a colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. And uh, also, if you haven't, give us a rating review. Really appreciate that. That's it for this week, and I will see you all next week.